Should we should we get a little uh, saucy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, submitted by uh, Anders, I guess, friend of yours. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, biggest D's in the art world. Uh, free to interpretation <laughs> is our prompt. Oh god. By the way, uh, happy Ukrainian Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it in my life. It's, it's tomorrow, so it's Christmas Eve right now, actually. It's, why, uh, <laughs> why must my people do everything on their own pace? I know. <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it's the Orthodox calendar, so... Uh-huh. Does it go by the moon, by the sun, <laughs> by the stars? I'm not sure. It's... Uh, which one? Gregorian, Julian, I can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember basic things anymore. So Yeah, same. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for the literacy uh schooling yesterday on how to measure wood. <laughs> <laughs> how to read inch inch increments. Uh what a stupid system. The imperial system. Yeah. Like I don't want to state the obvious, but uh abolish the inch system the imperial system and also like fahrenheit nobody needs that fahrenheit is the stupidest i know americans rave about fahrenheit but like it's so convoluted and i don't consider myself a dumb person but like i still don't have a handle on fahrenheit increments even after all these years in america thanks america sorry i'm I'm just flipping through the declaration of independence someone (laughs) sent me in the mail yesterday uh, my very first copy of the Constitution of the United States of America. I'm going to wear it in my breast pocket in case someone attempts uh, <laughs> attempts to assassinate me. Spit out those words, as yeah. my mom says. So, uh, at the end of this recording, there's going to be a quick quiz on the amendments to the Constitution. <laughs> uh, let's see if you can uh, tell me what the 14th Amendment is all about. And I don't know. maybe the 19th. <clears throat> uh, which one is... Fifth Amendment is about, like, a fair trial. Yeah, that that's true? about not, not self-incriminating. Oh, no. Yeah, and self-incriminating. I remember all this from finishing How to Get Away with Murder last week. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth was a part of my law and order schooling. When I, <laughs> when I first moved to New York, I... Uh, I went on a bender. I would uh, take it out of the public library on the Upper East Side. Oh sorry, Upper West Side. Just like old DVDs of Law and Order seasons one through twelve, which I enjoyed <laughs> thoroughly because most of it is uh, most of the uh, episodes were like at least the first seasons were set in like Riverside Park. Oh my God! Which a was strangler. A, yeah, exactly. Like a no-go <laughs> zone back in the nineties, or even like I guess early two thousands, or. I don't know. Anyways, most most of the episodes start in places where you would like walk safely these days, and so it's sort of a an interesting like compare and contrast experience. Oh my um, God. And Fran Leibovitz was in it. <laughs> <laughs> I also love Jerry Orbach. Oh, uh, of course. Like half my half my students at Shul just looks uh, look like. <laughs> Wait, see, we make fun of everyone. We make fun of Jews. We make fun of Poles. We make fun of Germans. 
Um, cause you know, we no, just yeah. got some, we just got some press, our first bit of press. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in monopole magazine as a podcast, podcast, a podcast to listen to during COVID lockdown since Germany is in a yet another lockdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the writer's friend apparently called us so Berlin to her. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means. I felt like the text was a little, uh, reserved. It wasn't a hundred percent positive, but it still mentioned us as a must listen. Yeah. No, I feel like, uh, I feel like the writer, uh, Annika shout out to Annika. Uh, I feel like it was a positive thing cause we got mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it was more the friend called us so Berlin and called us right. blasphemous or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, Berliners. If you take any issues with us making fun of you, you're only sort of justifying the claims about being humorless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somebody's got to at least try. And uh, at yeah, this point, exactly. it's, uh, it's us and Daniel Spaulding. So. Yeah. Oh, and also Tracy Ullman, who I've been watching her HBO show from like four years ago. This past week and a half, she's just such a fucking chameleon, <laughs> a, a true renaissance woman, also working with some of the world's most talented makeup artists and like, uh, you know, mask makers or hairdressers because they just make her. Uh, so it's, it's like an impersonation show and she does... Um, notable politicians like um uh what's her name Teresa may and uh of course i'm blanking on all of them now oh she does uh, uh dame judy dench very successfully <laughs> but her her best impersonation is angela merkel it's just so on point she oh looks, yeah it looks exactly like her it's uncanny uh, and there's a really funny skit where it's like a it's a face-off between angela merkel merkel and nicola sturgeon who Angela Merkel Merkel suspects uh, uh, Nicola is trying to rip her style off. Um, sort of the box, <laughs> the boxy blazer and the boxy haircut and the uh, and the Snoopy jowls and uh, not Snoopy. What's what's that detective? The cartoon detective dog. Uh, the one that looks like a notorious LA. <laughs> dealer <laughs> a notorious la dealer and art collector <laughs> and, and like angela merkel too <laughs> what's this um something pound dog hound dog maybe droopy not. I yeah dro- droopy yeah, not snoopy droopy yeah droopy that like sad looking dog yeah uh <laughs> anyways that's what angela merkel looks like and tracy <laughs> ullman just does the best angela merkel and i was watching it in bed last night and i was just laughing hysterically yeah, it's so um, spot on. Like, you would actually think that's her if you kind yeah. of just glance across it, unlike an SNL impersonation where it's obviously yeah. someone else. Well, anyways, maybe on the next episode, I can do a German reading of the review we got on Monopole Magazine. Yes. Uh, do some language admin reveal and expose <laughs> my uh, my German accent. Uh, have it please, see the light pl- of day. Please do that next episode. I would really enjoy that. Okay um there's actually a couple of words i don't understand i don't even know in this review well i'm um d-a-l deutsch as an additional language so (laughs) 
Uh, it's really difficult for me. I get the gist of the article, but then I had to Google Translate it. But then, of course, Google Translate, you know, is so wrong with a lot of things. And then I asked another friend, and he thought it was hilarious. And um, yeah, people have well, been. Maybe one of our German listeners can tell me what this word means. So it says in the review. Uh, in diesem Podcast geht es nicht um freundlichen Austausch, wie man das so macht in Gesprächspodcast, sondern um suffisante Meinungen. What the hell is suffisante? I get that it's an adjective, but I've never heard this word in my life. So maybe one of our uh, German listeners can chime in and help me out here. Yeah, uh, German listeners are our number three country of listeners. Mm -hmm. So... Obviously Our biggest we're doing, captive audience. Yeah. So obviously we've uh, captivated you somehow. Uh -huh. So please, please chime in, uh, DM us at sign thoughts on art with a zero mm -hmm. on Instagram and let us know what that means. I feel like Berlin's <sighs> been hit the hardest by lockdown with the club culture, essentially. Oh yeah. Hibernation. Like what do people, what do people do now? Even in Berlin? I don't know. They go to Kit Kat club to try to get vaccinated or no. Is it a vac no no it's a test site. Test site, yeah. <laughs> they go to yeah, they go to Kit Kat Club to get tested. Mm -hmm. Um I guess what else do they do? They but, I mean you you have inside like uh information. What do Berliners do these days? Like I don't even know what the club kids in New York do because like, you know, I never hung out with them, but what do yeah. the socialites and the night owls do? <laughs> the promies. <laughs> 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 what do the promies do uh, oh, yeah. i should okay. i should uh, subscribe to z magazine <laughs> or a stern like some stern, celebrity yeah. report <laughs> for their uh, uh for their zeta scoops that's page six for non-german speaking <laughs> listeners zeta zex <laughs> um Okay, a friend told me he went to a party. Is that um, with a capital T? <laughs> yeah, basically, but I don't know if the capital T was a proper capital T. Uh, I think people are definitely having illicit um, celebrations at home. Uh, I know. Well, in the summer there were all those park raves, and I use rave loosely. Mm -hmm. uh, those sad like Erasmus student parties happening in the cruising area at Hasenheide. Yeah. Uh, mixed gender. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's around freezing temperature. I Do you think Berliners had some sort of sort of had their eyes open because, you know, club culture is all about escapism to the extreme And I feel like the reality of the past nine months have even more so has, you know, like required um, a sense of escapism, but you're not even allowed to engage in those activities anymore. So I just wonder what people, how they've been hit with this sort of conundrum, yeah. how they found a way to deal with it. Especially because it's so extreme. Like before I moved to Berlin, my only understanding of like going out was you went to a bar till like 2 a.m. and then it closes mm -hmm. and then you go home or maybe someone's like, Hey, I'm having people over and that's it. Yeah. Not like I've been, uh, in a hole for three days straight now. <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to self incriminate. I'm gonna, 
after having read Plead the, the fifth. <laughs> after having read the Constitution of the United States of America that was sent to me by a secret admirer, <laughs> I shall not be retelling any stories of my drug fueled past <laughs> uh, in Berlin, so I don't self incriminate. But totally. uh, I've uh, I've witnessed uh, some people, you know, falling into holes. Yeah, mental or and physical. Yeah, or wasn't falling. There a, wasn't there a bar in Berlin or like an underground club called the Sloch oh, in Friedrichshain or something like that? I think it was when I first moved to Berlin, it was like a punk like mm. a punk club or something like that. And the way to get into the club, I guess it was in like the uh, the Kelo or something like that, which is cellar. The cellar ba- for you non-basement. Yeah, non-Germans. <laughs> this is um. this was not a Daniel Keller shout out. This <laughs> was a description of a physical space. Um so the the club was called the Sloch and it was just a hole in and the way to get to it was just I guess to slide down from like the street level <laughs> or something. <laughs> Um, I never went there. I'm only, I'm only saying it because like, I only knew of the existence of this club because my first boyfriend in Berlin, his ex-boyfriend was like a, a squat, like a squatter punk, like gutter punk. And he'd go to all of these parties. Was it at the raw Galenda? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you get off, uh, Warschauerstrasse and you take the first right and it's this big old you know, like what, post-industrial site. What is it called? Raw, like R-A-W in capitals. It sounds like a STI. Yeah, totally. It, <laughs> it sounds like a a bug chaser event. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, well, well, now that we've talked about the sloch and uh, now that I've self-incriminated. Um, okay, I just have to say one thing about your pocket thing. But wait, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say that uh, you you can't sue me in the United States of America, but I don't know what the extradition laws are between <laughs> the States and Germany. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just going to say I'm concerned about your pocket constitution. You just suddenly getting in the mail reminds me of uh, that thing that happened in Utah decades ago where a cult was going around and poisoning people with like some strain of the flu. You think the pages are like laced in COVID twenty one? Yeah. What something? if it's yeah? What if it's laced? I'm worried it's laced. Should I lick it? <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's more sinister than suddenly getting a Gideon Bible in the mailbox. <laughs> no one ever sends me Bibles, and you know when I walk the streets here, those like Hasids on Union Square, they identify me from a mile away. <laughs> And, and call me over to like you know wrap wrap the tefillin around my arm, <laughs> and it, I, it, does, I, it doesn't help when I tell them sorry, not interested. They're like they've identified you as a Jew, which you clearly are, and so there's no escaping that. Oh no, I've I've been targeted by um, Jews for Jesus. Oh crazy! Yeah, yeah, I got um, clocked as Jewish by oh Jews God. for Jesus. <laughs> when I when I did my residency in Bergen. Uh, one day I was walking downtown there and uh, I got approached by a couple of uh, Jehovah's witnesses. Is it Jehovah's Witnesses? What's yep. the what's the ro- the roaming cult of the like 
No, oh, Mormons. Mormons. Church of yeah. Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. Yeah. So I got approached by a couple of cuties in downtown Brooklyn. Oh, uh, Brooklyn they're so cute. <laughs> Bergen. <laughs> With like a short-sleeved button-down shirt and a cute tie. Mm-hmm. And I had to disappoint them and tell them I was Jewish. I don't think they were expecting any Jews in downtown Bergen. It's okay. You can still be one of them. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> Jordan would keep telling me stories of... Uh, would always tell me stories of... Uh, going to school here in manhattan and there'd be one kid who was like a latter-day church like kid and when other kids celebrated their birthdays it was customary to like have your parents bake brownies or a cake and bring it to class and those kids the latter-day saints kids had to sit it out they literally had to go outside and wait until everybody what? finished eating because i okay, guess they're well, not that's, to- that's a jehovah's jehovah's witness thing oh, for yeah? sure yeah no birthdays. Uh, okay, that's crazy. I also can't imagine any Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness NYC residents in <laughs> Upper Manhattan. <laughs> Just, uh, the Jackson kids. <laughs> Janet. <Which> Jack- <laughs> oh, really? Michael. Yeah, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Is the father still alive? Oh, God, I can't remember. I, I feel, feel like he just passed oh, no, away. The mother- the mother died, I think. Oh, okay. Because I'm all of a sudden having a memory of him being spotted in some like Jersey shopping mall selling out of a cart or something. <laughs> you should look it up. I might be conflating like uh, sea salt, uh, dead sea salt products <laughs> being sold out of carts in my secret. <laughs> secret in my favorite New Jersey mall. Um, oh my god but i distinctly remember some like tidbit on pmz of uh jackson senior working the carts oh Oh, no he died in 2018 it's uh katherine jackson she's still alive oh okay yeah i just i just fact checked for once well well, speaking of a uh of miserable men i read that a uh kim can kanye getting divorced <laughs> allegedly allegedly uh, I, I read i read it on zyta zix <laughs> well i read morning. it i read it in tmz which is where chris jenner that mother uh <laughs> immediately sends tidbits that's her back channel her and uh harvey levin so is, uh, i is believe tmz and is tmz and big k pocket i think it is and uh coincidentally the same 24-hour news cycle has also revealed that kanye is allegedly having an affair with jeffree star (laughs) who's jeffree star uh a mess just uh ringo's daughter (laughs) just google jeffree star okay jeffree star is another promi um makeup youtuber who uh oh, came God. of age on myspace and had a brief music career and then became a self-made makeup guru um and he has had a lot of drama with other youtube makeup artists um and i got really into that drama last year when i was bored <laughs> my god uh so yeah, Kanye apparently with Jeffrey Star uh, wouldn't surprise me. And I wish what her else? well. Yeah, and apparently Kim has been having an affair allegedly with Van Jones, who 
He's hot. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because he's a part of that innocence project that she's been, or no, she's been like working with his law firm. And I think he's involved in the innocence project, something like that. Is there but, a man? Is there a man out there? The K Clan hasn't destroyed or ruined to some extent or another. I'm thinking, like no, Scott. I can't think Di- of one. Scott Disick was sort of uh, you know destroyed to begin with. There was not too much ruin there. Such a snake. Um, Rob like, is not doing well. No, of course not. The dad is dead, but that's not of his own making. No, but there is that um, O.J. Simpson curse, I feel like. Everyone that worked on the O.J. defense team basically, like, died of cancer. Except Barry Sheck. But, um... <laughs> but, like, what's what's the Kardashian girls' excuse, then? Because they've, like, taken taken on the mantle. Like, they've taken the baton of, yeah, you know, that curse, basically. But that's... It's of their own making at this point. They've just ruined every person's life in their orbit. Yeah, it's true. And they've... It's, uh... And I don't think it's, like, a sexist thing to say that because they've also ruined women's lives around their orbit yeah like uh sweet jordan i guess they're just yeah of course i guess they're just that craven craven with a k (laughs) (laughs) um oh god let's let's not waste our breath uh, on those people yeah um so for the very first episode of 2021 we decided to relieve some tension from our engorged mailbag yet again (laughs) (laughs) release some tension and uh we got some fun submissions and we're gonna tackle them on this episode to your amusement we'll get through as many as we can if there if your question was not answered we will get to it at a future episode yes and um by the way, this this delay is very legit on the mailbag because I just got a Christmas gift uh, from my brother and his girlfriend uh, that just came two days ago, and they sent it before Christmas. What'd you get? Uh, they sent us a nice care package with some baking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a nice uh, watering color palette with this watercoloring activity book that me and my mom are going to do, and some brushes and... Cute. It was a nice surprise. So sweet. Yeah, it was sweet. And it's shocking that the post took so long. <laughs> it's shocking to you? Well, no, given like the whole COVID thing. But oh. yeah. I've had a few packages lost uh, along oh, no. the way in the past month or so. It's fine. Mm. Um, alrighty. First All question? Right. Yeah, so our first question. Uh it's from Jaeger. Uh Advice for young BFA graduates. God. <laughs> okay, this could be a whole episode. <laughs> this could be a whole episode. Uh, advice for BFA graduates. Off the cuff, I would suggest to resist the temptation to want to blow up instantaneously post-graduation. True. Um my advice to you would be to look for a job, any kind of job that's sustainable and somewhat fun to you. I know that it's a little tricky in this uh, COVID age, but just get something that will, you know, hold you over, sustain you for the foreseeable future and just work on your personal 
evolution and maturation. There's stuff that just needs the passage of time to sort of prove itself. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Uh, yeah, I think uh, life and a working life and a career are not a sprint, but a marathon, as obvious as that sounds. Uh, but like Amir said, don't try to have all the success fresh out of the gate. And it might seem like, oh, my friend's doing this or this person's doing that. But I think those things seem much more magnified through the lens of social media and online. So I think you should spend your time developing your personal interests, which will bleed into your work interests. Oh, uh, totally. And developing a voice uh a style depending what you do um which is kind of connected to the voice mm -hmm. uh i would also resist the urge to immediately do an mfa if that's something you want to do uh i looked at this person's profile and they seem on the younger side like early 20s uh I don't know if like a 23 year old needs to have an MFA. I think, you know, if you're like applying immediately after a BFA, what's the point? I think you should maybe develop something personally that you then have to bring to the table when you do that kind of program. Uh, also, it's just no longer that proven that an MFA uh, degree will get you a seat at the table it's just yeah, th totally. things are changing just like that and it's exactly. such a it's such a costly sort of move to make yeah um unless you can afford it of course yeah and i was gonna say that's another piece of advice uh if you if you or your parents are independently wealthy and it doesn't matter that they're gonna spend like a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars on <laughs> you in your future yeah. then go to yale or columbia or wherever um but I personally would not get into this extreme debt for something that most likely will not pay off. Like it's such a gamble. Mm -hmm. um, there's a I lot of, oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know that this advice though is, a, uh, is valid to our German listeners where higher education is uh, for the most part free of charge. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how to apply that same sort of rationale to a uh, you know, Germanic or European yeah. listener where they have access to yeah. free higher education. Because in that case, continuing on to an MFA program essentially gives you, you know, some more some more time and space for maturation and personal development, not at the expense of some, you know, outrageously high cost of investment. That's true. Uh, but I was just going to say that uh, for the student or now former, or no, he's finishing his program, I believe. Um, there's a lot of MFA programs in the U.S. that actually are free or have a teaching component that's paid and free. Uh, I know, for example, the, uh, which one is it? Uh, sorry, I should be prepared. <laughs> okay, friend of the pod, Naomi. She actually just posted about it. They are taking applications for the MFA program she's in, in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does not cost anything. 
a friend of the pod, Brendan Fernandez, teaches at Northwestern. I believe that's also a free program. Uh, so, you know, those are ways to kind of develop yourself as an artist without kind of putting you in crippling debt for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I also, I also get that those, you know, uh, frameworks are, you know, like a social hub that, uh, essentially enables you to, uh, expand your, you know, your social standing and just, uh, make new friendships. And those friendships, yeah. uh, are, are going to be good connections to have in the future and they expand your horizons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but like telling from my personal experience, I've never really had that. I went to school in Germany. I didn't quite make lasting friendships for different reasons. I mean, I had good friendships when I was there, but they didn't sort of survive my move to New York. And also, I don't know that it that it does a very great service to the art, the local art scene, to just be this game of uh, what do you call it? Just like, you know, one gallery shows one friend and then the friend brings another friend and yeah. that friend brings another friend. It's like a circle jerk of mediocrity at the yeah. end of the day um, because there's also a, a modicum of laziness from, you know, curators and, and art dealers where it's easier for them to, by, you know, word of mouth, bring on another artist rather than do the legwork themselves and go out yeah. there and try to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I just checked. It's university at Buffalo and it's a SUNY school. Mm -hmm. So for example, you can go to school like that and not get into debt and, you know, maybe you want to teach or something, or maybe that'll be a good way of making connections that are, you know, it's not in New York city, but it's still close enough where you can still travel on the weekends or get to know people, things like that. And that ties into some other piece of advice, which is, Find a city that is a legit art center if you do want to uh, really try to be an artist, you know, that's like exhibiting and trying to make a go of it. Because even though we're so connected with the internet nowadays, I think it's still almost impossible to make things happen if you're not at least in a larger city where you can meet people in person yeah, for sure for sure i mean i yeah. really hate to disparage but it's your chances are are bare minimum to get any footing and in the art world if you're just outside those centers like for example the the show that's coming up for me like the very last minute gave me their selection for the piece that's going to the show and i'm I'm, you know, supposed to like frame it and it's getting picked up in just a couple of days. Like imagine if I were in bumfuck, I don't know, West Virginia or whatever, like yeah. it would be impossible to just, you know, transport the work that fast. As simple yeah. as that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, as much as it might seem tempting to be like, oh, there's $5 houses in Detroit or something like chances are you're not going to really meet many people that, yeah kind of will make things happen so i mean that, that i'm trying to think if maybe that's a little too elitist of us to say i'm sure there's a plethora <sighs> Look, of amazing people and experiences uh, to be of had course. Outside the I'm, <laughs> I'm sure but like it's i think it's uh unless you're gonna travel a lot mm-hmm. or somehow be like a really squeaky presence on instagram yeah it's it's like being an actor like Imagine being an actor and not being in LA. Right. And 
it's this thing where you need to get discovered. Like someone has to, you have to get someone's attention and then at least one person needs to be like pushing you uphill slowly. And then like people join in and then eventually you get to the top hill and you're rolling downwards. Yeah. (laughs) And also at the end of the day, somebody has to, at some point or another, see the work in person and it's just exactly. makes it much harder if you don't live close to where people live. And it's also your decision whether you want to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond. That's totally, you know, personality and character dependent. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on this is if I was 21 right now and I had grown up in the States, but in, you know, some medium sized city, I would move to. Oh, first I would get a skill that's related to being creative, mm-hmm. like a tangible, employable skill. So like a craft, uh, a craft or even something like, you know, like UI or UX design, Oh, for which sure. pays really well, move to New York, do that job. And then on the weekends, you know, work on my paintings or on my sculpture. Like if you want something bad enough, you can make it work. So yeah, and if anything, it's the best test of endurance to have you do other things and at the same time ask yourself constantly, am I still interested in my practice? Does this still sort of invigorate me and interest me while doing other things? Exactly. Because a lot of things I do, I don't. So. Yeah, <laughs> basically. All right, next question. Do you want to read yeah, this let's, one, Amir? <laughs> let's, uh, do you mind if I do some shuffling here? Yeah. Okay. Um, 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 um. <sighs> should we go there um did you see the anna imhoff new year's eve studio video submitted <laughs> video su- submitted by julia a friend um, of the pod julia okay i actually have not until this uh this question was submitted to us upon which uh, i took the opportunity to look it up um so technically yeah <laughs> i watched it <laughs> yeah um, i watched it and there's really not much to say so <laughs> yeah it's like um she's like a skinny billy eilish what's what is there you more know. to say <laughs> you know when i so i pressed play it's it's this project by circa art which is a new public arts initiative uh the first face came that came on was uh my former date to a very long opera as I mentioned before Sir Norman Rosenthal <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully I'm not boyish um <laughs> and it introduced circa art then we got to one half of the main show which was essentially a Dior Sauvage commercial. Um, <laughs> and then we cut to Patty Smith. Uh, I, the Patty Smith cult of personality is before my time, but I did enjoy the song and I thought it was very sweet uh, to go through what these song was healthcare that? workers. I don't know, but that was part two of the presentation, the New Year's Eve program, which was Anna Imhoff plus Patty yeah. Smith. I'm honestly so much on the fence about uh, Patty Smith because I have such a basic. I just detest the idea of being a, a you know a, a club kid who happened to be in the right place in the right time, mm-hmm. and and that being your major cachet that propels you perpetually <laughs> throughout your life. I uh, I'm not a big fan of her music. 
I haven't read the book. I hear it's good. Her like memoir, the first one on the M or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Am I mixing it up with JLo now? Um, <laughs> on the L, the Amir Gubersai oh. <laughs> memoir. <laughs> Excuse me. Do not defame me. I live far away from the L train. <laughs> I know. <laughs> on, on the F. <laughs> on, the, on the F, R, and G, very conveniently, several bu- uh, bus routes as well. Don't worry. I'm not going to um, dox you. <laughs> don't dox me. Uh, no geotagging me. Anyways, uh, Patty Smith is... Uh, Patty Smith's saving grace for me is when Bob Dylan was nominated for the uh, Nobel um, Nobel Prize for Literature. He very performative performatively decided not to attend the ceremony and sent sent a uh, Patty Smith instead of him to sing uh, "A Hard Rain's Gonna Gonna Fall." And uh, so she walks up on stage. The orchestra starts playing the first. Uh, the, starts playing the melody and she starts singing the song and like halfway through she all of a sudden chokes up and completely forgets the lyrics and Aww. just her face turns completely red and like a second later the orchestra stops uh, playing the music with her and she starts so uh, evocatively to you know profusely apologize for being extremely nervous at this point um and then shortly after she picks up from where she left it off and it sort of crescendos in such an amazing sort of way. And then the camera pans to the, uh, to the audience members all like, like, you know, Norwegian royalty or whatever. <laughs> and people are fucking like tearing up because it's such a, such an emotional moment. So that's Patty Smith's gracing, uh, saving grace for me. Everything else I fucking hate because she's <laughs> such a like, um like who made you like a uh, art world like denizen well that's like, like kim gordon where it's just like yeah exactly i don't know like i get the klaus uh connection but like there's just absolutely nothing stimulating in the context of art yeah. as it relates to patty smith for me so whatever uh yeah. and also i watching the uh the anna imhoff video there's like a a still shot of her like holding a long like whip like submerged in like the ocean or something like that feet like deep in the ocean somewhere and that's like a complete ripoff of a julius von bismarck uh photography series Uh. that he did where he was would like walk into like the north sea or something like that with like a really long leash and like you know whip the uh whip the waves or something it's a really powerful photo series yeah that's all i have to say uh the last thing i'll say about that is there is someone credited as a director on that production which i'm just like if you're the artist who's the creator of this video work why did you need to hire a director for that there's basically nothing happening in that video I guess so. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just you see people sort of uh, ve- starting to venture into the too big to fail category. So uh, anything goes. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. If if we had if we the... had a. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say if we had a red camera right now and uh, a nice landscape, we could uh, whip that up in an evening. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to the next question. You want to take it? Sure. Uh, hot or not, Rihanna's mullet. And that's from friend of the pod, Goretti Lyko. 
I'll have you answer that because I have not looked up pictures <laughs> of Rihanna's mullet. Uh, not. I'm anti every mullet. Um, yeah. The this once again resurgence of the fashion mullet, which by the way, Rihanna's fashion mullet was from a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. not hot, and now Miley is on to the mullet. Also not hot. Miley's mullet is something else, though. <laughs> it's like a weird frontal comb over i don't quite understand what's going on there she looks great yeah i don't know i was more into that look like not this past summer but the summer before when she was doing tour uh, festival tour dates in the summer and she hadn't had that kind of like like long wavy wet look i was into that Mm mm-hmm uh, the summer we should have seen her when we were in Poland, but we didn't somehow. Was that the <sighs> 747 tour? Oh, no, I mean Miley. Sorry. Oh, I see. <laughs> I just um, um, I just want to know what Rihanna thinks about Alexander Wong's misbehavior. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just shocked that he denied it because where there's smoke, there's fire um allegedly allegedly yeah yeah uh amir would you like to take this one um about israel and palestine (laughs) sure um listener submission question is as follows who are the best israeli and palestinian contemporary artists and artistic institutions uh well best israeli artists goes without saying the goes to me no i'm just kidding <laughs> amir guberstein yeah uh god it's a good question um my only reservation in really answering this question is that israel being that it's so you know locked up in uh sort of the the conflict mentality and the occupation it really really makes it hard for israeli artists to make work that doesn't deal with that so you either see work that deals with it directly or sort of responds to not wanting to deal with it. But at the end of the day, it's all about that. Yeah. Um, so there's just not a lot of room in Israel in the scene for art that sort of thinks outside that box or even tries to sort of find ways to you know, express yourself aesthetically in ways that are less linear and less obvious basically so you see mostly work that's uh that has like classic imagery that you would associate with uh with occupation and just a lot of symbolism that at this point is chewed up so it's it's kind of hard to innovate in israel there's like almost a mental stagnation if you will uh one of my all-time favorite contemporary israeli artists is uh good friendly or grady he's of uh, yemeni descent and his work deals with sort of um, kind of the forgotten or erased histories of, you know, Mizrahi Jews in Israel. And his use of symbolism is really quite unique. Um, and just to answer the second part of the question, Israeli and Palestinian um, institutions that are worth mentioning, Jordan actually uh, told me that I should mention the... Um, the Mosaic Room in London. Um, it's an institute that's run by a Palestinian family, if I'm not mistaken. 
And there's also a, like a proper arts museum in um, Birzeit, um in Palestine. That's like it's like a proper like museum-sized museum. And uh, Palestinian artist who's worth mentioning is Sharif Waked, who just had a show recently at the CCA in Tel Aviv. He did a really a really fun video of a a, a donkey that was placed in the Gaza Zoo and was sold off as a zebra by having painted zebra stripes on. <laughs> uh, to sort of... So the work of art sort of raises... tries to raise awareness to, you know, the, the scarcity and the sort of the dire straits, the sort of life... Um, life there is like... And um, the video is just a sort of a, a video montage of the of the donkey getting the zebra stripes washed off of it in slow motion. Uh, so it's a really beautiful work of art, just one out of many. Uh, he's even in the Guggenheim collection and some other fancy ones. So that's a really great artist to look out for. And uh, of course, Jordan's work is amazing. Uh, Jordan makes beautiful tatris, which is Palestinian traditional Palestinian embroidery, which he sort of um, places imagined Palestinian landscapes onto, uh, and so there's this really interesting dialogue between tradition and imagined sort of utopian future for the Palestinian people. So that's uh, that's my personal shout out to all these people. Yes. And yeah. I'm biased, but I love Jordan's work. And that's Jordan Nasser, not the other Jordan I mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> or Jordan Firstman. In, in the Kardashian uh, segment. <laughs> or yeah. God, Jordan Firstman. No, yeah. so that's Jordan Nasser and uh, amazing work. Yeah. And uh, an Israeli artist I love is Yael Bartana. Oh, damn. I was going to uh, mention her really as well. video works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my favorite Israeli artist. It's funny because I, and... I brought up this I brought up this question with Jordan earlier, and I told him how like I love Yael's work, even though it's it's it seemingly seemingly falls into you know the the tropes of uh, using image like cliche imagery of the subject matter you tackle. In her case, sort of uh, diasporic Jewish issues and Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. But she has such like edgy and fun takes on those symbolisms. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, she's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, moving on. Should we Ooh. should we get a little uh, saucy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, submitted by uh, Anders, I guess, friend of yours. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest D's in the art world. Uh, free to interpretation <laughs> is our prompt. Oh god. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, physically, Dan Colon, as we've mentioned before. Honestly, wait, let me stop you right there. I like, after we talked about it, I looked up the picture. I remember that sculpture, sculpture. It's not that big. Yeah, but I think it's flaccid. <laughs> yeah, but what is he like six, four, six, five? No, he's like it's, six, six. It's proportional. Like he's really tall. 
Yeah. Anyway, I've also seen probably like dash snow Polaroids of it or something. Oh, yeah. And it looked giant. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I guess who, who, kind yeah. of <laughs> Ryder Rips. Kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does have that 80 year old Jewish man voice. So, yeah, that, uh, um, grandpa that, voice. That, that Bobby Schnoz. <laughs> you said it not me so i'm not getting canceled excuse me i'm um, jewish I'm, I'm allowed to go uh, i'm allowed to identify the hook schnozzes as they come um um i feel like Julia, julian schnabel there's some like uh bde yeah that's big dick energy for the straight yeah. people out there there's some like yeah there's some bde uh, emanating over there who else? Um, oh, I Who also just recently. I, I also just recently saw an, an artwork at a local gallery. That's like a, it's an actual like mold of the artist's penis, and it was very big. But I shall not name names. You can our listeners can connect the dots via via heavy cross stalking our social media accounts. Uh, yeah, so far I can't really identify like a John Ham of the art world. So. Is that even uh, a, f- a like a known factor? Was that just a dick print? There's always like big dick prints happening with him. I feel okay. like it's Cause, true because those things are they're confusing. Like I <laughs> I get my usual barrage of sponsored content on Instagram of like thirsty thirsty guys uh, with their gym selfies. You can never really tell if it's big or not. Yeah. Okay, so now on an um, on a more emotional level, biggest dicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Are we allowed to like name anyone? I feel like this this is where it's not. It doesn't come down to gender. Like the biggest dicks that I can recall were equally female and male. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like half the art world. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we can all identify people that do unscrupulous things. I mean, any, anything, anything exploitative that sort of saw the light of day in the press in the past couple of years. You guys are in the title of biggest dicks. Oh, totally. Um, whoever fucking like uh, got on the bandwagon to, ex- to, I will say it again, to posthumously exploit the legacy of Matthew Wong. Oh yeah, biggest, there biggest we go. Dick in the biggest dicks. Yeah, <laughs> we have a winner. Uh, people who, pe- yeah, and people who abuse and exploit interns and don't pay them anything, dicks. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you're selling millions of dollars of work a year, you can afford to pay people at yeah, least exactly. minimum wage. I mean, basically, if you wanna if you wanna rundown of the biggest dicks in the art world, just uh, go on uh, hashtag not hashtag but cancel art galleries on Instagram. Yeah. They'll give you a somewhat biased take on the biggest sticks in the art world. Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay. Um my good friend is moving back to town. How do I find him a cute boyfriend during this pandemic? Posted uh, oh to us God. by a friend of the pod Ica. Oh my God, I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> 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 um I mean, you know me. I love matchmaking whenever possible. 
Uh-huh. Well, it is in our blood. It is in our matchmaking. Blood, yeah. 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 Our people, our people love matchmaking. It's a thing. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. How do we yeah. find you a boyfriend? Yeah. I would love to be match made. It's like, I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting for years now to be match made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. The only people that have offered to match make me in the last few months have been Romanian so mm-hmm. it must be in their blood too. Interesting. Um, what are, what yeah. are some of what are some of your no goes? What would you like personality wise or character wise uh, would be less interested in? Okay, I am not into unmotivated people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not like some boss lady or someone who's super A type, and you know, you need to like save the world in a day or anything like that you're not a polish tiger mama (laughs) uh, tigris mamusha Uh, (laughs) um no but just someone who has like dreams you know and aspirations so even if even if it's something small like oh i would love to go you know to this country one day and it's a goal you can work on together yeah i think that's great uh i am so you're, not you're essentially saying weed heads need not apply <laughs> exactly <laughs> if if you're complacent no mm-hmm. um also i'm not into heavy smokers uh That's i don't mind yeah i don't mind if people smoke but uh i've gotten on dates with people or dated for a few weeks where it was just like an ashtray come to life. Sorry if you're yeah. listening, <laughs> but some people just, I feel like they metabolize, I don't know, tobacco differently or whatever, totally, totally. Or, the, or the chemicals. Cause some people like, I don't smell it on them at all yeah. or even kiss them and I don't taste it. But other people it's, uh, it just clings to them in every way. Yeah. Like so, my, good, my best girlfriend, uh, smokes and like, she smells like lilies. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and some people some people that smoke you kiss them and you're like "Ooh, it's a bit hickory you know like yeah it's pleasant but then other people it's just an ashtray like that's also it's also those fucking cheap rollies people smoke and burn those are disgusting and then at some point they like up the ante and get rid of the filters altogether and makes it even worse yeah actually that is probably it's probably like the no filters (laughs) yeah uh okay and then what else okay um someone that makes me laugh i know that's Mm -hmm. super cheesy but some people actually don't care about that because they're humor humorless yeah um you've just ruled out dating a german (laughs) essentially (laughs) sorry don't dox us (laughs) um yeah I don't know. They're out there. I've already had some nice Tinder matches and some uh, Tinder refreshes from years ago. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, just I'm gonna, gotta start. Gonna, you just gotta start bookmarking uh, future dates tentatively, but just to prepare yourself for the move, so you have a full sort of schedule planned out of uh, of potential suitors and dates. It's true, and then. Ika did mention the pandemic in the question. I think that does complicate things. Uh, there have been some articles written about this lately, and I guess it's just a lot of going on walks and maybe getting a, a coffee at a takeout window 
if that exists in Berlin. <laughs> as, as my parents would always say, if there's a will, there's a way. It's true. So, yeah. So I'm hopeful because I'm overcooking for one. Oh, true. And P's an amazing cook. He made me the best uh, oh. best birthday cake last year. Oh, thank you. Dur- during a residency in Italy. I've um, only gotten better at cooking and baking now that I mm-hmm. have had a stove since the day before Christmas Eve. Amazing. So I can't wait to make more. And that actually ties into two other questions we got. Okay, you should uh, take it. Yeah, Max and also Krista have asked about cooking. Uh, they've asked about recipes, cooking tips, and Max would love to see live cooking on this podcast. <laughs> Actually, Ma- which I think <laughs> Max this sounds isn't... A, a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Max uh, Maximilian Wenski, by the way. This is a different. Oh, okay, Max. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different Max. Um, okay, I think when we are in Norway together we should do some live content on youtube and we could cook something together i think that would be hilarious oh we should totally do like nature cooking like homesteader style totally we can go on some sort of ice flow and uh yeah maybe we can uh, make we can hunt some whales because it's fine there (laughs) totally we could render some fat from the whale Oh, yes, and, that sounds amazing. And we could actually burn the fat from the whale to create the fire to cook the whale meat. To fuel our Teslas, which we're going to get <laughs> free handouts exactly. from the Norwegian government. <laughs> I think there are some Norwegian reparations since they were collaborators. So I think there should be Teslas uh, in really? the for us. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Okay. Um, in terms of recipes, uh, I've been really into the the New York Times cooking section. Uh, as I explained to my dad today, they have chefs and writers on staff that know what they're doing. Uh, some of them may be problematic and canceled, but the recipes are good. And I think that's a good way to get started. And some of the recipes are marked as easy uh, if you're new to cooking. Um, but also I've just found that nothing is too complicated or too involved on the New York times. And in the last couple of weeks, every single thing I've made has been a major hit with my parents. And even the things that seem kind of more experimental, they've really loved. And today I flambéed for the first time. I was very inspired by a Jamie Oliver video. So actually that's a good source too. Did your fire alarm go off? I actually don't have a fire alarm. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I know. I'm very European in that sense. <laughs> uh, I do have a carbon monoxide detector. Okay. Um, but no, I don't have a fire alarm. I should get one. Um, but you know, the building is completely masonry. Not that smoke inhalation wouldn't kill us, but uh, yeah, it's slightly safer than like a wood frame construction house. Um, but I was inspired f- to flambe, and I tried it. I I uh, poured some vodka into this pasta dish I was making, set it on fire. It was not scary, and it really nicely caramelized uh, the onions that were in the pan and the chickpeas. And basically, I made like a vodka rosé sauce that had a, a raw sausage that was cooked in the sauce, and also a a lot of chickpeas. So they gave a really nutty flavor to it, 
and um, again, a hit. Oh, and I used lemon juice, like fresh lemon juice after when mm-hmm. I was tossing everything together. And it was a nice melding of flavors. And this was just using what was left over. Everything was just kind of leftovers and scraps of things. And I cobbled it together and it came out. So, um, yeah, eating out, especially now, is kind of pointless and expensive. So I fully encourage cooking. Mm-hmm. I uh, don't know what to tell you. I've become such a lazy bones. Like Jordan does most of the cooking and uh, we order in sometimes, but I just really don't have it in me to do any cooking anymore. I just get so frazzled and stressed. Like I try to, I try to make schnitzels the other night and at the same time, like follow a New York times recipe for like iron, iron cast skillet potatoes and I just, it really stressed me out. Like, I'm not built oh, for no. this. But they looked amazing. You sent they a photo of the They looked amazing, but like the place filled up with so much smoke that like we couldn't even see past the living room. How was the steak you made? Because remember, I warned you it's going to be smoky. It got really smoky. And I just honestly, I'm going to leave it uh, leave it up to the professionals. <laughs> <Steak>. <laughs> I feel like we're going to cook together in Norway. You're going to love it yeah um in the non-smoky things i'm very good at non-smoky cooking because i've been traumatized from eight years of going into berlin restaurants oh my god are, Don't get at that started. level of smokiness yeah all right um, next question yeah um so few art questions on here you know what let's yeah, see the- there's a there's a similar question somewhat longer but it's uh maybe we can try to answer that um okay so the question is hi art thoughts long time listener here thanks um (laughs) any advice guidance tips on continuing an art practice after finishing an undergrad in fine arts i am in the process of finishing my final semester remotely and i'm slightly concerned about what to do after losing the structure guidance and community that art school offers how do you stay motivated in your practice as a fresh graduate um, is this the time to begin looking into residencies and other programs? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, one caveat I will mention is that those are practically impossible to get into unless I'm only reflecting from my own negative experience, having applied to, uh, like, I don't know, 40 residencies in the past six years or so and only haven't gotten into two, essentially, with the big ones completely precluding anyone who doesn't come from an mfa program or comes from like you know comes bearing a cv of having done the other major residency programs uh it is worth your time in the sense that when you apply to those residency programs you have to sort of chisel your ideas in written form And so that kind of gets your juices flowing and allows you to kind of focus and try to understand better what you stand for, why you make what you make, et cetera, et cetera. So if not for that reason only, I would suggest to, yes, indeed, try to apply to as many residency programs as you can just to keep the juices flowing. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't be so afraid of, you know, losing the structure of your um, BFA program because that's just, it's, it's not life. It's such a, you know, it's an incubator. Yeah. Unlike any other structure or framework you will live through uh, in your adult life. And so you should, if anything, be happy to get out of that structure and sort of emerge into ultimate independence for the maybe first time in your life. I don't know. 
Yeah, probably. Also, um, the the kind of timelines of things happening in school are so compressed and unrealistic. Totally. So this idea that you constantly have to be making something because there's a deadline in two weeks or a month or what have you is just not really how things go, even for the busiest artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah, I mean, all it takes is to watch one episode of Project One Way and to see the messes <laughs> they create under duress and pressure. Exactly. Like, uh, the good ones have have talent and so it doesn't matter if they had to make it in 10 minutes or 10 months but the other ones are just sort of crushed under the pressure and just produce garbage yeah definitely and uh like personally speaking i'm not someone who's constantly working as bad as that sounds but um i don't know i like to have periods in between to just decompress and focus on other things or be inspired and for me it's more of like a project to project production Mm -hmm. timeline um so for example i have a show that's going to be in may or june i've been thinking about this now for the last few weeks and uh you and i had a very nice phone call which was very helpful oh thank you and and that's something where okay I'm thinking about it. I've been experimenting. I've been trying some, you know, things here and there, like samples of things. Uh, But it's something that really in a few months I will fully commit to and then make. Right. And so that's how it works for me normally. Like, okay, there will be a, a show in a few months. I don't need to be constantly making stuff for it, but, you know, kind of some sampling here and there right it's also but it's also the nature of of your practice being that it's uh you know fabricating your work is nothing that happens overnight and so you have to put a lot of thought into it and premeditate yeah Um, and and it takes up space and so i can't make like 20 of something because there's just you know it's too expensive and there's nowhere to put it so yeah i mean my my personal experience is first of all i'm an uptight and stressed person and so i <laughs> i can't really not make work it's the thing that sort of keeps me feeling connected to my thought process and i also feel like it's kind of a swim or sink situation for me mm-hmm. i also have this I, I dread losing my touch essentially if i don't paint for you know over a week or so i'm afraid i'll just lose the ability to return to the muscle memory of the gesture essentially so i just make work non-stop and i also make it in a way that's that doesn't take up too much space i work pretty flat and when the work you know goes to shows mm-hmm. i uh i mount it or i frame it and so it just allows me to make a lot of work not think twice about it it's not too precious to me until it's you know framed boxed hung on a wall and then it essentially turns into a final work of art um but so just to return to the listener question i think it kind of boils down to your your personality basically maybe a question to ask yourself is what what tendencies in art making did you find in in your practice during school like what yeah. uh, what was your schedule like what 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 was urgent to you what was less urgent i think those things could be uh applied onto your post uh, post school life yeah. And it, it seems like maybe they do want some structure. So maybe 
maybe that is further education or maybe even if it's something like you know having a mentor they work with or a friend that kind of they check in with yeah or maybe a group of friends where okay maybe they didn't get into residency but they could do something self-initiated like right. there's no reason they can't you know rent a place in the countryside and go away for a week and have a retreat or something and that could be a good way to kind of you know be in that mindset mm-hmm. uh, even though you're done school yeah that sounds like a uh, sage advice wow we're um, like professors we are yeah <laughs> i was gonna say something snarky about like not not taking the bait of i mean we're during COVID now so there's no nightlife but like taking the bait of like starting to go out and be a more prominent participant in nightlife and sort of having the delusion that the people you take drugs with are your family. And this is your like cultural (laughs) orbit and sphere. And you're like, you're, you've struck like cultural moment gold (laughs) or or something. Um, I've just, yeah, I see a, a lot of mediocrity out there that's born out of, social circles again i will go back to that there's this sort of the fantasy of you know being the andy warhol group and everyone participating is some form of genius just by association and affiliation yeah Um, try try to try to strike it on your own also don't do what everyone else is doing like just because everyone's making uh like sad fake picassos you don't need to do that yeah exactly and if anything that's the peril of the uh, education system the arts education with its uh, strict timelines it doesn't give you a lot of time to kind of ruminate or maybe find uh find a unique way to express yourself because you literally don't want to miss a deadline (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and there's a cumulative effect of like not wanting to miss deadlines you essentially keep building on top of your previous aesthetic compromise essentially oh well well that was that was very paternal of us i'm proud of us (laughs) i am (laughs) all right uh should we do the fashion ones or is that just like too too much okay we have two fashion questions so We'll do the easy one first, which is from Michael, friend of the pod. Uh, which late nineties fashion, ex- sorry, late nineties fashion accessories should make a comeback? I mean, hasn't everything already made yeah, a comeback at yeah. this point? Except butterfly clips. So butterfly clips are like the last one that has not made it yet. Oh, true, <laughs> and also the like the hair, the the Asian hair hair straightening uh those like i don't even know what it was called there was some like some era in madonna's like uh ray of light oh like a keratin treatment where she's like full straight stick straight hair yeah yeah um i'm just i googled nine late 90s fashion accessories Mm -hmm. uh image search one of the photos is uh just sarah jessica parker in sex in the city that sad bandana look with some gradient sunglasses. She always no. looked great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, we can't even talk about the choker because everyone's been doing it, especially Britney Spears. Yeah, and the fucking <sighs> like the Harvey Oswald tiny sunglasses. Oh God, hate it. I'm just like over all this 90s garbage. Yeah, I mean, I don't even mind that. I mind the fact that Zoomers and millennial millennials don't even realize that it, it like they're resuscitating something that had just happened yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah it's like there's there's also that you know aughts aesthetic already been happening for years so you waited like five years to uh, you know revive it yeah also people Uh, looked like garbage in the 90s (laughs) like i remember yeah, I'm looking up pictures of obviously the Spice Girls are the main thing that comes up when you look up. Uh, yeah, Nikki, and actually so. they look amazing. Like there's, there's no looks I would not rock, but I most mean, other Jerry, '90s stuff sucks. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry looked like a, a glorified prostitute with her like really sex skinny worker. sex worker. Sorry, <laughs> with her skinny eyebrows. She looked and, a- uh, aged. She did look aged, yeah. She, and, yeah, she looked Vic- sun damaged. Victoria, Victoria Beckham, I'm, I'm not on her team. <laughs> not a big fan. And do you see this photo of them f- for like the Channel Five launch with a phone, and she's wearing like Philmon glasses, like oh my God. eyeglasses? <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> I guess the fashion, her fashion's nice. Like, what do I know about fashion? But she's just like, just not my, not my cup of uh, tea. Yeah. Okay, so that ties into our other question uh, from Tommy, which is, what is the future of men's fashion? Um, I may look like I know nothing about fashion. (laughs) I have zero authority (laughs) on the matter. (laughs) I feel like I know more about fashion than the average person, and that's just from my interests of reading about fashion, watching fashion documentaries, um, being tuned in, but as anyone who's seen me, they'd say, Pashemic, you're not fashionable. It's like, yeah, no shit. Because <laughs> fashion is fucking stupid. It is stupid. I mean, at this point, it's just so clearly out of ideas. There's only funky juxtapositions left to make out of older stuff. Yeah, just go to Vogue Runway and look at the last like 20 years of fashion. Yeah. And you'll see it's a constant recycling of the same concepts and trends. And I don't know. It's like anyone who's like cool and fashionable around us basically is just like wearing things our dad wears. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like spending spending a lot of money to achieve that. Yeah. Like any loser who's obsessed with being in like Balenciaga and um, Vetmont looks, it's like, you can go buy a hoodie and a bomber jacket anywhere. Yeah. I don't get why you've spent thousands of dollars on this because it's maybe a name. I, maybe I'm hoping for a more tailored future for streetwear or just like ready to wear like, I don't know, the 50s, the 40s. <laughs> I love men- your shirts. Okay. Everyone, Amir is an aficionado of what's that shirt called? Hawaiian shirts, Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> but not, but not like um, who's our favorite chef? I mean, I don't, I don't, they're not Guy Fieri shirts. They're more like they're like leisure shirts. Yeah, there's a name for them. They're like Hawaiian slash bowling shirt cut. Yeah, 
some like cuban um, yeah styles. but but they're really good prints like you've uh curated them well and they suit it's, your body type thank you i'm getting thicker so <laughs> some are getting smaller <laughs> yeah he's a he's a thick snack now so uh, I, i'm no longer a size zero <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, it's but, true. Your your metabolism changes as oh you yeah, age at, like, at age thirty. Oh, that's another tip uh, for for the young artists who've run in. Your metabolism plummets at age thirty. <laughs> I I swear to God, like I work out almost every day, and I try not to eat, uh, you know, too irresponsibly, and I still am unable to uh, shed some weight. It's just impossible. It's okay. We're we accept all body types on this podcast. Thank you um yeah okay fashion back to that for a second (laughs) okay fashion is also stupid because it brainwashes people into thinking they need more of something they don't constantly Mm -hmm. uh so they're not out of fashion or uncool uh and no matter how expensive or how much of a luxury good it is it doesn't mean it's not wasteful or exploitative of workers or yeah just like a pock on the face of this earth yeah and Um, also don't 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 fall don't don't take the bait of all the fashion brands that sort of claim to you know harrell the a new era of like social activism or changing the world or whatever you're still sort of at the helm of an industry that's exploitative and bad for the environment and it's very costly yeah it's it's wasteful it's like the uh it's an embarrassment of riches exactly and yeah and like you said uh this idea of greenwashing or i don't know pink washing or social washing or you know brands saying like oh it's gender neutral or it's for all genders it's like that's just a way to make more money that's taking garments that were for one gender specifically and trying to wrap this like ribbon of being social progressive around it. It's just a way to like double your kind of sales footprint. So, yeah. Yeah. If anything, I just wish that the fashion world would move more towards a direction where they're honest with themselves about their standing role and you know, what, what like, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. brain fog. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It could be the pathogens from that constitution. So, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, wait. I think a... we could do a rapid fire now to like yeah. tie these up. Okay. Yatsek asks, "Will Marina Abramovich finally die in 2021?" Um, that's mean. Um, that is mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's annoying, but. I don't wish ill on anyone. Yeah. Um, Not even on Trump. <laughs> I mean, his cholesterol will take care of him. Yeah. Um, no, the, he, he, Kissinger, and who's the third? Yeah. They're going to outlive us all. Totally. They're just going to cling on forever. Yeah. Um, okay. So, movie recommendations. Krista, friend of the pod. I have not seen anything. <laughs> Oh god. I know, uh, Devil Wears Prada is our Bible. Um, oh yeah, amazing. Um I, I don't want to be canceled, but I'll just recommend watching Woody Allen's entire filmography. <laughs> he's, he's 
is one of North America's most <laughs> prolific and genius movie makers. I'm sorry, there's not a single movie of his. Even the lesser ones are just so uniquely interesting. What's next? Lenny Riefenstahl uh, recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fucking watch uh, Radio Days, uh, Midnight in Paris, uh, Mighty Aphrodite, just to mention three of his most... Uh, most uh compelling works that's my recommendation yeah oh you should watch father of the bride and father of the bride too <laughs> <laughs> seriously i'll add it to my list yeah they're so good okay next um friend of the pod maximilian wenski sent us the worst of all these questions <laughs> sorry max <laughs> sorry if you see something say something uh do you invest in bitcoins no no <laughs> who, who am i daniel keller yeah exactly <laughs> moving on thanks for the bad question max you you really failed on this one <laughs> all right um michael from earlier friend of the pod which is the best season of drag race uh i i have not watched a single episode of yeah. drag race i have heard about it people are talking about it i have no idea i've never watched it i will say i'm burnt out on drag but i might honest, watch the master i might watch the master class thing with rupaul but oh we should watch that where rue tells us that we should wear suits <laughs> yeah just to answer the previous fashion question yeah. um okay i have watched basically all of drag race um Basically, the first five seasons are probably the best. First five or six. Uh, if you say so. Yeah. Season 11 was the worst. We're now on season 13. It just started. Uh, f- somewhere in the first five seasons, people were iconic and they weren't like self-producing like people do as reality shows kind of go on in time. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And wait, I think we made it through everything. Did we? Yeah, I think we did. Amazing. I'm, I'm really proud of us. Yeah. Our, our our mailbag is no longer engorged. Yeah. We, we, uh, emptied the crumbs out. Um, well, you know what I'm going to do now after, after we wrap this up, I'm, gonna finish watching a and the killing season about the long island serial killer or <laughs> lisk as he's known so uh what are you gonna do uh god i have to f- i have to frame a work that's going to this group show i am excited though because this weekend i got us uh jordan and i got us tickets to go to the barnes foundation in philadelphia uh it's his birthday and we're just gonna go on a small sort of day uh day oh, trip so nice. to philadelphia and the barnes foundation is amazing i don't know if have you been there no i've been to philly once but just for the day so i didn't have time okay it's a it's a really special collection it was founded by this uh by this doctor guy in 1922 uh it's fun, funny enough he made his fortune by co-developing the the antiseptic like silver compound that was used to combat gonorrhea so th- <laughs> is that colloidal <laughs> silver <laughs> so thanks for being a savior of uh, gay culture throughout the 20th century of party culture party until the superbug made it to berlin uh he was just a big collector of uh you know impressionist post-impressionist and uh and some some other work uh 
of that era there's like i'm just going through the list there are like 70 works by Cezanne, 60 by matisse picasso and he's known to be really strict um the institution is really strict with like no no loans no mm. no color reproductions of anything um and they're just they really like uh run a tight ship over there and their collection is one of the finest collections ever and it's a beautiful building in um in philadelphia and we're gonna go down on saturday or sunday and have us, uh, have us a nice day and maybe i'll uh do a little cheat and eat a philly cheesesteak sandwich oh, i was gonna ask if you're gonna have one i uh, wish i could have one i'll probably mess up my jewish gi <laughs> track but i'm willing to bite the bullet on that one and also have uh, a bunch of cheesy meat slide down the front of your shirt. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Be careful! Don't stain anything. Uh, it's so yummy. I know. Um, yeah, that's uh, <sighs> that's it. Uh, plans wise for my week. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it was nice chatting with you, Pshavik. Super nice chatting with you. Um, I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> see you, juicy juice. Bye.